Hello, and welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. My name is Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer. And my goal with this podcast is to empower you with nutrition and exercise knowledge from various health and wellness experts and everyday runners to become the best, strongest, fastest, fit cookie version of yourself that you can be. Are you ready? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today, we are going to dive in part two of the Nutrition for Runners series on this podcast. And in today's episode, part two is going to be all about micronutrients for runners. So as many of you might have realized, um, runners have pretty specific needs when it comes to nutrition, strength training, uh, you know, periodization of training in general, recovery, and all kinds of things. And what I am hoping to get out of this series for you guys is a little bit of a awareness and di- deep dive into some of these different areas of nutrition that are really specific for runners. Because like we might have mentioned already, if you've started to run and you've realized that, hey, I think my, uh, I think I need to feel differently, like I think things are changing a little bit, you're not wrong. Um, and that's exactly what I help runners with every day. Um, so let's dive into today's episode. So in part one of this series, we talked all about macronutrients. And now if you listen to that episode, which if you have not yet, I highly encourage you to go back and give it a listen. And while you're at it and you're enjoying this podcast, also really would appreciate a five-star rating and review as it does help other runners just like you find this information. But (laughs) I digress on the shameless plug. Anyway, so go back and listen to the macros episode, but in that episode, you would have learned that macronutrients provide us with calories, aka energy for our bodies, and that's super important if you're running all the time because you're going to need the energy to fuel your runs, and you're also going to need energy to recover from your runs and actually reap the benefits from all that hard work that you're doing. So in this week's episode, micronutrients, we are going to talk about what micronutrients are of concern for runners, and also what they do in the body and where to look for them in food and supplements if needed. Now, in the next episode in the series, after this one, we're going to dive even deeper into how to pick a a supplement as a runner. Because as you might have figured out, there's so many supplements on the market, and it can be really difficult to know, you know, what's the differences between all of the different pill bottles on the shelf. They're expensive. <laughs> um, their qualities all over the place. So stay tuned for next episode on supplements. But today we're going to talk about micros. So what are micronutrients? Essentially, micronutrients provide the body not with energy, but instead with different vitamins and minerals and chemical compounds that essentially allow our body to function properly and allow us to have 
proper homeostasis of body systems. Um, So these can be things like phytonutrients, like I said, vitamins, minerals, things we get from food, our environment, um, even some things that actually our gut bacteria produce for us, which is pretty cool. So let's get into what micronutrients are in particular of concern if you're a runner, meaning you might be at risk of not getting enough of these or your needs might be higher than before you were a runner. So the seven micronutrients that we're going to talk about today are iron, B vitamins, zinc, and selenium, which I coupled together, magnesium, vitamin D, omega-3s, and probiotics. And we're going to talk about um, kind of what these micronutrients do for our bodies, where we can find them in food, and maybe when it's appropriate to supplement. And also, um, you know, what the problem is, essentially, if we don't get enough of these. So to dive into our first micronutrient, let's talk about iron. So if anyone listening has ever had like an iron deficiency anemia or, you know, iron deficiency in general, or if it's gotten, you know, much, much worse and you've had to get blood transfusions, you've probably heard about iron before. (laughs) Um, But iron is basically found in a, a couple different food sources. There's two different sources though. So there's heme rich, which is basically the easiest for the body to use and absorb, And that's found in red meats, liver, and oysters. And there's also non-heme sources, which are your plant-based sources. And these are still great. They're really helpful. And I work with a lot of plant-based athletes and teach them how to do this in a way that is efficient for their bodies. But we can find non-heme rich sources of iron in beans, lentils, legumes, spinach, kale, all your leafy greens, fortified grains and cereals as well, whole grains, especially grains like teff, um, tofu, dried fruit, in particular apricots, nuts, and silk protein nut milk. So a lot of different plant sources there as well. And one thing I want to touch upon with iron is that whether it's heme-rich or non-heme, it's best absorbed with a vitamin C source as well. So food's pretty cool in that a lot of our recipes are very functional, keeping in mind how nutrients are best absorbed. So if you think of things like, okay, what do I usually put with red meat? Well, a lot of red meat is like ground beef and chilies or maybe meatballs, and it's paired with things like tomato sauce or tomatoes, and those are rich in vitamin C. This is also how I help my plant-based athletes pair the different things together. So maybe, you know, you're having some beans or lentils, but you also have, you know, some tomatoes or bell peppers or sweet potatoes with that. Those are going to contain the vitamin C to help you absorb the iron and get the most out of that harder to absorb source of iron. So other vitamin C sources like... Again, tomatoes or different tomato products, citrus fruits, of course, we all know orange juice is a great source of vitamin C, berries, dried cranberries, sweet potatoes, bell peppers, and lemon juice are other sources as well. And basically, um, I would even recommend if you do have to take an iron supplement that you take it with something like orange juice just to help you with absorption. Um, A lot of iron supplements actually do have vitamin C already included, knowing that this is the case. And something I want to note on too is that 
iron is a nutrient that can become toxic in the body if you're taking too much of it or if you're getting too much of it from from like a supplemental source. It is kind of hard to get too much iron from food unless you are, um, you know, maybe like male or pregnant, you know, then it's a little bit easier. But typically if you're female and you're menstruating each month, <laughs> meeting your, your bleeding, um, it's really hard to get too much iron from food. But if you're on the pill and you're not bleeding or you're, you know, postmenopausal um, or you're taking iron supplements and a pill, that can definitely become toxic. This actually happened to me. <laughs> I was taking an iron supplement past the point that I needed it. Uh, I did need it when I first started taking it, but then eventually I didn't anymore. And my iron levels, they weren't toxic, but they were a little bit elevated. So that was kind of my red flag to stop. So I do want to, you know, start with that caveat. And also, iron supplements should not be taken with calcium supplements or with calcium-containing products, food products like dairy, you know, certain cereals, coffee, um, or teas. These contain calcium, and that blocks the iron absorption. And also, iron can block the calcium absorption. So oftentimes, I'll hear runners say, oh, I take, you know, a multivitamin with iron and calcium. Well, <laughs> not getting much out of that multivitamin if that's what you're using it for because these two things are blocking each other. Um, or I've had, you know, athletes take iron supplements with dairy because it helps soothe their stomach because iron supplements can be harsh on the stomach. And I'm like, oh no, but then you're not absorbing it. <laughs> um, so side effects of increased iron consumption or supplementation includes Things like constipation, um, abdominal pain and bloating, diarrhea, nausea, or poor absorption of other supplements or medications in general. So that's why we kind of, you know, we really want you to need the iron supplement before you just go taking it willy-nilly um, because, you know, there are some side effects. But things to know are that basically... We can find um, iron supplements in better forms, you know, like like chemical forms that your body can tolerate better. So things like ferrous fumarate or elemental iron um, are usually better tolerated. So what are some signs of iron deficiency or signs that your ferritin levels are running low? And if you haven't heard of the term ferritin before, this is essentially your iron storage in the body. It's something that a lot of um, labs do not test. And it's a shame because it's kind of like, you know, the little red flag before there's a giant problem, <laughs> essentially. Um, and this is something that I test with my clients using Inside Tracker. But, um, Signs that you might be deficient are essentially um, feeling tired all the time, fatigue, like hitting the wall early on your runs or runs that used to feel easy or just feeling really hard. Um, maybe you have pale skin or weak, brittle fingernails, um, general weakness, dizziness, maybe a headache, um, inflamed tongue called glossitis. Basically, if you feel like you're losing your mojo and you're just really tired, um, that can be a sign of deficiency and it is really helpful to catch a deficiency early because this is the period of time where we can actually improve your stores with food instead of needing to supplement with an iron supplement, which can cause some of those GI symptoms. Um, 
that just aren't super fun to deal with. You know, once you do reach iron deficiency anemia, um, typically you do need an iron supplement or even a blood transfusion in order to improve your stores back to normal. So basically reasons why iron deficiencies can occur are that we could have hormonal fluctuations, change in birth control method. Like I said, you're going from bleeding monthly to not bleeding at all or vice versa. Um, blood loss due to accidents or trauma, um, people with chronic conditions too, like IBD, like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, uh, diverticulitis, or even IBS, um, where there's maybe some GI bleeding, ulcers, those things can cause blood loss and therefore iron deficiency. Also an increase in trading status and load without necessary and appropriate increase in iron consumption from high quality foods or supplements can cause an iron deficiency. So if you're going about marathon training, maybe you're like me, I did this and you're not really having like a ton of red meat. You're not really having a ton of, um, like, you know, plant-based products paired with vitamin C and you're just not increasing your consumption appropriately, but you're increasing your mileage and you're starting to feel like, woof, I'm just really tired. Like, you know, I, I've, I've marathon trained before and haven't felt this tired. What's going on? That could be a sign that, you know, you're becoming deficient in iron and you're going to want to hustle and get your blood tested so that you can do something about that. Plant-based runners too might also be at risk of developing a deficiency just because they're not, you know, eating that heme-rich uh, food sources as often. So if you become a plant-based runner, that can also be a trigger um, to an iron deficiency if you're not informed of what your needs are, getting your blood work done and make sure, making sure that you're approaching it from all aspects. Another note too is that overconsumption of B vitamin supplements or calcium supplements can cause an iron deficiency. So there's a lot of different vitamins and micronutrients that we'll talk about in this episode that are involved in the health of your blood cells essentially. And if you're taking too much of one, again, usually this is in supplement form. It's hard to take too much of a certain thing in food. Um, but if you're taking too much in a supplement form, it can throw off the balance of all other things. So just as an example, when my iron levels were high because I was taking an iron supplement that I no longer needed, my B12 was low. And we'll talk a little bit later about why that's a problem. So again, if you do decide that, oh, you know, some of these symptoms or some of these like life events even are sounding familiar, maybe I should go get my blood work done. Um, it's really helpful to get your blood work done and discuss your results with your doctor or preferably a registered dietitian so that they can help you um, incorporate these things realistically into your lifestyle. So let's talk about the next micronutrient of interest in this episode, which is B vitamins. So to summarize, B vitamins are a water-soluble vitamin, um, which basically means if we take too much of them, that's excreted um, through the kidneys, basically into our pee <laughs> as waste. Um, so, so this is something I see often as a dietitian. If you look on the back of any you know multivitamin or B complex vitamin you're going to see that the percent daily value of what's included in a lot of these B vitamins is like well over 100%. Sometimes it's even in the thousands. And while that really baffles me because I don't know why, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a vitamin or food scientist um, and I'm not involved in the composition of creating these supplements. So I'm not sure why this is the case. 
I'm sure there's a reason because it seems to be the case on, on many different supplements. Um, but you know, if you're getting way too much, you're just going to pee it out. Um, you know, getting way, way, way too much can be harmful. Like I said, you can throw off the balance of other things in the body. But a lot of the times what I find is if people are supplementing unnecessarily, your pee is just very expensive (laughs) because you're spending all this money on supplements that you don't actually need and you could just get from food. So I digress, but let's dive into B vitamins. So I'm going to read off just what the different B vitamins are because there's quite a few of them. Um, But we're going to focus primarily on like vitamin B12 today. Um, so let me read these off. So we've got vitamin B12, otherwise known as cabalamin. This is found in most of your um, animal products and also nutritional yeast and other fortified grain products. Vitamin B1, also called thiamine, is found in your whole grains, your fortified grains um, and, and animal products. Vitamin B2, riboflavin, um, is also found in fortified green products, things like eggs, organ meats, dairy, and green vegetables. Um, Vitamin B3, or niacin, is found in lots of different vegetables and fruits, whole grains, fortified grains, beans and legumes, and also animal products. Vitamin B5, which is pantothenic acid, is found in most of your animal products, along with mushrooms, avocados, potatoes, broccoli, whole grains, and fortified grains, and legumes. Vitamin B6, pyridoxine, is found in most animal products and also fortified grains um, and bananas, actually, too, whole grains, dairy products, and legumes. Vitamin B7, which is biotin, this one you might have heard of, (laughs) is found actually in gut bacteria. So basically, our gut bacteria, which are found primarily in the large intestine, um, they exist there naturally. They're supposed to be there. We want them to be healthy, but they create biotin in healthy guts. So (laughs) a lot of your biotin supplements from your hair, skin, and nail gummies are not helping you. Um, What would help you more is actually taking the measures to improve your diet to make those gut bacteria healthy and happy so that they can produce the biotin for you. There's no research indicating that um, like supplemental diet or biotin from the diet or supplements is needed or that it works well. So you're best off by treating those gut bacteria well so that they make it for you like they're supposed to. Vitamin B9 otherwise known as folate, is found in your dark leafy greens, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, peas, legumes, refined grains, and fortified grains. But something to note, because you probably heard me say many times over the course of all those B vitamins, is that they're found in things like fortified grains. So what happened many years ago in this country is that they were noticing that a lot of kids, um, babies were coming, you know, out of their moms with birth defects and neural tube issues. And what they found is that, you know, a lot of women in the U S were not eating a balanced diet essentially to get the right amount of folate that they needed in order for their babies to develop their neural tube properly. So what they started doing was they started adding a lot of different B vitamins to refined grains. If anyone's ever been pregnant before, and please note that I have not been pregnant before, and this is not from my experience, but from what I've heard anecdotally from other women, 
is that a lot of the times if you are experiencing like morning sickness or just nausea throughout the day, the only thing that actually sounds good to you is refined grains like white bread, crackers, saltines, bagels, mac and cheese, pasta. Who's with me? (laughs) Um, There's a reason why these products are now fortified with nutrients that are essential to the development of your fetus. Um, It is because they know that women may not get balanced diet from other foods that might be hard for them to stomach or just not available in um, wherever they live. Maybe they don't have access to these whole foods or high quality whole foods. So that's why a lot of our products in the U.S. are fortified with B vitamins. It's to, to prevent all these neural tube and birth defects in kids. So if you are pregnant currently and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel like a bad mom already because all I'm doing is eating, you know, white grains all day. It's okay. (laughs) They're fortified to be healthy for you. So know that you're doing a good job and, you know, this too shall pass and keep moving forward. Something I do want to touch upon though is that um, vitamin B9, the last one that I just mentioned before we move on to what these all do, um, folate. So vitamin B9, aka folate, We often find that our food products are fortified with folic acid or that our prenatal vitamins or multivitamins are fortified with folic acid and not folate. And the issue with this is that folic acid has to be converted into folate in the body. And a lot of women um, actually basically don't possess the gene in order to do this. So what happens too is that we still end up with neural tube defects or miscarriages or other things found in research. So a great way, you can get a genetic test to see if this is the case for you, um, but a great way to kind of just cut out the middleman there, because I know a lot of people don't have time for genetic tests, (laughs) um, is to just buy a supplement or eat whole foods and not refined grain foods, or buy a supplement that has methylated folate in it and not folic acid. So that is one tip that I will dive more into in the next episode of this series, but I just wanted to mention that here. So let's dive into B vitamins. So basically, B vitamins are involved in blood cell health and blood flow. They're also in energy metabolism, so like the the process of turning our food into energy to use. They're also involved in neurological function and eye and skin health. And runners tend to need more of all of that because of all the running and recovering from running that we do. So basically, a high-quality diet is going to do far more for you than the B-complex supplements or fortified refined grain foods um, most of the time. So it is important to get a variety of those whole food sources because I just listed several vitamins and several different food groups that they come from. So this is why, you know, eliminating certain food groups is a problem. Another thing to note, too, is that, you know, I said that if you are over-supplementing B vitamins, you're just going to pee them out. Um, And, you know, this really isn't doing you as much good as eating it in the functional food in which it's coming from, because a functional food is going to do a lot more for you than a supplement, unless you have a deficiency and are finding that you need a supplement in order to restore your B vitamin stores. Um, But also there's a lot of B vitamins in our packaged products. So I just said that a lot of things are fortified with them, things I didn't mention yet. So energy drinks, protein shakes, um, you know, packaged foods in addition to um, supplements, 
all have B vitamins in them. Like a lot of like energy drinks, especially have B vitamins in them because they quote unquote help us with energy metabolism. <laughs> um, the, the real thing though, that's giving you energy from those protein shakes guys is, is probably caffeine. It's probably not the B vitamins. Um, but I digress. Something I would recommend to you is testing your B12 levels. So your vitamin B12 levels, in addition to ferritin and folate. Um, a lot of the times in a, like a hospital setting, we would test other B vitamins like thiamine. But if you're up and walking around and just fine, chances are you don't really need that tested um, as a healthy runner. But B12 um, is definitely something I'd recommend testing. And one reason too that I recommend ferritin and folate is that if you take um, hormonal birth control as a runner or as a non-runner, um, you might be deficient in certain nutrients because the pill can deplete things like vitamin B12 and folate. So to continue on, because I mentioned that B vitamins tend to come from a lot of animal products, especially B12, um, I find that plant-based athletes should supplement a vitamin B12 um, because they're probably not going to consume any high-quality animal products. And what's interesting to note about this is that there's people who consume plenty of animal products but are still deficient in B12. Now, that can be for a couple different reasons. It can be because you're taking too much of something else like iron, like I was, <laughs> or it can be that the animal products you're consuming aren't grass-fed. They're not high-quality. Because the B12 itself isn't really found in the animal. It's found because the bacteria in the animal's gut converted something in the grass they ate to this vitamin and therefore it resided in the animal. But if the animal's not eating grass, like it's eating corn or grain instead, um, it might not contain as much B12 as it used to. So some people who do eat meat still need to supplement, but kind of depends on your lab values. But if you're a plant-based runner, and you're like, oh, but I'm eating plant-based things. Like, wouldn't I get B12 from the plants? Not necessarily because you don't possess that same mechanism in your gut as the cow does to convert it. Um, something, though, that's a fun fact is that you can get um, all your B12 needs from fortified foods if you need to. One thing I like to say is that nutritional yeast is something that you can just sprinkle on a salad or on top of pasta. It kind of has like a nutty, cheesy flavor. And one tablespoon will meet your daily needs of B12. And it is not an animal product. So that's kind of a fun fact. Um, and a side note, too, is that vitamin B6 supplementation or in food sources like high-quality grass-fed meats, um, wild-caught seafood, bananas, legumes, and fortified um, I'm sorry, whole grains, not fortified, and also high quality grass fed dairy products has been shown to reduce menstrual cramps. So B6, that's kind of a side note. So B vitamins can be really complex, <laughs> pun intended, because oftentimes I hear about people taking a B complex supplement, but they don't need to be. Because like I said, if you're eating plenty of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and high quality animal products, like grass-fed dairy and grass-fed beef and pasture-raised chicken and eggs, you're going to get plenty of B vitamins through your diet. Um, if you're plant-based, you might want to consider working with a dietitian, testing your lab work like your B12 and your folate just to make sure you're getting enough of those things um, and to see if supplementation is needed. Let's move on to one of my favorites, which is vitamin D. And speaking of blood work, I wanted to take a minute to thank today's sponsor for this episode, which is Inside Tracker. 
Inside Tracker is a company that helps you discover your genetic potential and also get personalized, focused recommendations based on your blood test results because they provide you with blood work that you can do anywhere in the US or Canada as long as there is a third party testing site close by. With thousands of research studies analyzed, you'll get the most effective recommendations based off of your blood work results. Now, Inside Tracker is something that I use with my clients and my one-on-one coaching programs, and it allows us to individualize the programming and nutrition and fitness and lifestyle recommendations to them even more specifically, which is awesome. I use it on myself too. I really love using the ultimate test because it provides me with so many different biomarkers and feedback. And it also allows for me to understand how to optimize my lab work instead of just getting in the normal range. I prefer to have my blood work optimized so that I can reach my athletic goals as well, which is another thing that I love about Inside Tracker. So if you're wanting to take advantage of Inside Tracker's best deal of the year, you can use code GIFT from Fit Cookie for $200 off that same ultimate plan at insidetracker.com. And I really hope that you try this out because it's honestly so cool to get that data back and start working towards improving your overall health and performance. The research coming out on vitamin D is insane in 2020. Basically, historically, we always knew that vitamin D was important for our bone health. Um, What we didn't know and what we're finding out even more now uh, in 2020 is that it's also very important for our mental health and our gut health and our immune function. (laughs) So vitamin D is actually kind of more considered like a hormone these days. Um, So less of a vitamin where it has like a singular function in the body that has a cascade of effects on other things and more of a hormone where, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows. It's involved in a lot of different body functions um, and is super important for us. So vitamin D, where do we find it? The the primary source is actually supposed to be coming from the sun. Um, What's recommended is having exposure, uh, like sun exposure on your arms and legs for at least 20 minutes a day, um, every day. (laughs) And while for some people that might be like, oh, that's it. That's easy. You know, especially if you're a runner and you're outside for at least 20 minutes a day most days, chances are if you live in the Northern Hemisphere of North America and you're listening to this, or if you're in Northern Europe, Russia, um, people all over the world listening to this podcast, which is pretty cool, um, or even Asia, you're going to probably not be getting enough vitamin D from the sun, even if you're outside with bare arms and legs all day long especially in the winter months, which is like so sad. (laughs) Um, Take it from a girl who grew up in the Northeastern USA. So I totally get it. Um, But that's supposed to be our main source. Now, other sources of vitamin D that come from food, I find that a lot of my clients, at least that I've spoken with, really don't eat a lot of these things. So I find that most people do need a vitamin D supplement, but here are the food sources. So we've got salmon, sardines, tuna, mackerel, egg yolks, mushrooms, fortified dairy and dairy alternative products, um, liver and organ meats, and maybe some orange juice that's fortified. Um, although that's not usually the best absorbed version of it. Um, but those are basically the food sources. And I find that most of my clients, which maybe this isn't you, maybe it is, but most of my clients aren't eating like sardines, mushrooms, and liver all day. (laughs) Um, which is why I find that a lot of people are deficient in vitamin D. So basically 
if you um, are living in the north or if you're a runner or if you've experienced stress fractures or injury, I would highly recommend you get your vitamin D levels tested. Um, and then you can work with your doctor or a registered dietitian to either alter your diet or assess what dosage of supplement is going to be right for you. But basically, the daily needs for most people ages 1 through 70, male or female, is 600 international units per day. And for those over 70, it is 800 international units per day. But just to put this into perspective... If you're deficient in vitamin D or if you have certain medical conditions or if you live in a certain part of the country or the world, or if you're a runner, you are going to need more than that. Some people need a prescription dose of 50,000 international units. So um, this does vary quite a bit. So that's why I highly recommend getting your blood work tested. If you are feeling tired or drowsy or like depressed mood, more anxious, lethargic, um, if you're experiencing stress fractures, if you have um, recently gone on the birth control pill to get your period back, which if you know from past episodes on this podcast, that's not a thing that works that you can do. Um, there's a chance that you have a vitamin D deficiency and that you really need to assess this. Because like I said, vitamin D is involved in bone health. Um, a caveat to that is that without vitamin D, and in particular vitamin K2, calcium, like all we hear about is calcium's good for your bones, calcium's good for your bones, but it's useless for your bones if you don't have enough vitamin D. <laughs> um, and a lot of people have plenty of calcium, but not enough vitamin D, which is why I'm mentioning it in this episode. And actually, if you take calcium and you don't have enough vitamin D, not only is it useless for your bones, but it can be dangerous to your cardiovascular system. And no one wants that as a runner. It's also really important for our immune function, um, like I talked about, and muscular contraction. So vitamin D is absorbed in the gut, and it is a fat-soluble vitamin. So I said the B vitamins earlier were water-soluble, meaning that if we take too many of them, we'll likely just pee them out. Vitamin D is fat-soluble meaning that if you take too much, um, it can become toxic. I have never experienced someone who has done that. I think the only way to do that to yourself would be taking a ridiculous amount of vitamin D in a supplement form and already having a normal level. Um, but again, I've never met someone <laughs> with that being the circumstances, but it is always a good idea to get tested and work with a professional to individualize this to you. Um, but basically, if you are a runner, you're doing high impact weight bearing activity daily and vitamin D is going to play a huge role in your ability to lay down new bones. So if you're someone who's experiencing stress fractures or hormonal imbalances, vitamin D is going to be your friend. <laughs> um, and you're going to make sure you want enough of it in order to heal from those and become the best runner you can be. And basically after you turn 30, um, having low bone density related to not enough vitamin D um, or other nutritional deficiencies can be irreversible. So I highly recommend you take this seriously. And that's why it's one of my favorite nutrients. So next, we're going to talk about magnesium um, and kind of selenium to go with that. So magnesium is actually an electrolyte. Um, so the other electrolytes are sodium, chloride, calcium, potassium, and then magnesium. Um, 
Magnesium has a lot of different functions in the body, um, one being an electrolyte, meaning that it has a lot to do with your hydration status, your blood volume, blood pressure, kind of moving fluids around in your body, um, and you know, providing muscular contractions and relaxation in particular with magnesium. Um, studies show that most Americans um, in general are deficient in magnesium and that also runners need more <laughs> um, because typically they're sweating more, meaning that they're losing that electrolyte. But magnesium is also key for bone health, nervous system function, muscle relaxation and contraction, like I mentioned, for its electrolyte um, usage, and then hormone health as well. And basically, I mentioned selenium because selenium kind of has anecdotal, um, you know, properties that that function in the body too, next to magnesium. And you can find um, selenium in a lot of the same food sources that you can find magnesium. So sources of magnesium from food include nuts, seeds, whole grains, dark leafy greens, legumes, and also some fortified grains. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> um, again, coming from multiple different food groups here, a lot of that being grains, which I see a lot of people removing from their diet to do certain fad diets like keto, um, or you know, if you need to go grain or gluten-free for gut health reasons, we want to make sure you're getting it from other sources. So um, basically, you know, a lot of the times a well-balanced diet is going to hit all of these things, but if you're incorporating any kind of restriction into your diet, um, whether it's appropriate or inappropriate, it can really compromise where you're getting these things from. So it's where supplementation can come in. But basically, too, a lot of birth control pills, ladies, if you're on the birth control pill, um, can actually deplete magnesium and selenium. And magnesium, too, also plays a really big role in our bowel movements and digestive health. And this is something that I see people actually supplementing um, it for is to help with those bowel relaxation um, to help pass bowel movements. And, um, you know, for some people, they find that that doesn't work super well. And for others, they find it works very well. But there's a lot of different forms of magnesium. So it's important to understand what you're trying to use it for. <laughs> um, and also then, therefore, what type of magnesium you're looking to supplement with. But for generally speaking, for runners, I highly recommend getting it from those food sources. And a fun fact is that actually um, one Brazil nut per day will provide you with all of your selenium for the day and quite a bit of your magnesium too. And selenium is also really great for thyroid health as well, um, which can be compromised if you're underfueling as a runner or overtraining. It's also involved in vitamin D, um, you know, vitamin D status. So all of this is very intertwined. But basically, um, to go through those um, types of magnesium and the forms. So for bowel movement regularity and sleep, um, I typically recommend things like magnesium bisglycinate um, for menstrual cramps as well. And then for kind of like sweating um, for mag like for electrolyte purposes as a runner, I typically would recommend magnesium citrate or chloride because that is going to be the best tolerated and it's not going to have that laxative effect. Um, magnesium oxide is found in a ton of different um, commercial supplements and typically this has a laxative effect and can actually 
you know, just not be helpful um, at all, as opposed to those other forms. So again, magnesium bisglycinate for menstrual cramps and sleep um, and bowel movement regularity, and then magnesium citrate or magnesium chloride for sweat replenishment is what I would typically recommend. Um, if you're getting it from food, you're in good shape no matter what. <laughs> so to go on to the next micronutrient, we've got zinc. So zinc um, is an essential um, mineral, and it plays a role in bone health, immune function, wound healing in particular, and just tissue rebuild, muscle protein synthesis. And all of this is super important for runners because we're bearing a lot of weight when we run. It's high impact, and this affects our bones, our immune system. And also, we want to be able to recover well and build muscle mass, right? So it affects that too. Um, zinc, um, is found in oysters and shellfish primarily. Um, it's very bioavailable in animal sources in general. So red meat, again, high quality grass fed, uh, poultry. You can also find zinc in plant-based sources like legumes, seeds, um, fortified grains, whole grains, and dairy as well. Um, and if you are not getting enough zinc, um, you might find that your immune function and your bone health is compromised. So, I do recommend, you know, this um, in particular to my plant-based runners that if you're not getting those high quality bioavailable animal sources, um, you know, plant-based zinc can be a little bit more difficult because plant-based foods contain phytates and they actually block the absorption of any zinc in the food. So a lot of the times you might hear um, of plant-based you know, eaters or runners soaking their beans or soaking their grains or legumes to help kind of get out those phytates so that the zinc component actually gets absorbed. Um, and also this kind of makes the daily need 50% higher for plant-based athletes. So it is important to supplement with zinc if you're plant-based or at least take the time to do that soaking of your plant-based zinc sources. Um, and supplementing too much zinc, because I'm seeing a lot of this in 2020, because we put zinc and immunity together and all of a sudden everyone's taking a zinc supplement, which makes sense. I understand you want your health to come first, but just be wary that getting too much zinc from a supplement can cause issues with copper and iron. And basically supplementation of copper and iron can also cause issues with zinc because all of this is a balancing act, right? So I do recommend talking with your doctor or dietitian, getting your lab work um, looked at before you just go buy a supplement willy nilly. So the next nutrient that we're going to spend some time on that I did touch upon quite a bit in the last episode, but I want to touch upon it again is omega-3s. Okay, so we know from last week not last week, <laughs> this last episode, sorry about that, that omega-3s um, come from fats, in particular oily fish like salmon, mackerel, sardines, tuna, and a little bit from cod and trout as well, which we now know also contain vitamin D and zinc and B vitamins and all this good stuff that we're talking about, and also can come from nuts and seeds like chia, flax, pumpkin, sunflower, walnuts. What I want to touch upon in this episode is that omega-3s um, come in a couple different sources from foods. So what I mean by that is that often plant-based sources only contain the ALA version of omega-3s, whereas the animal, um, you know, seafood um, sources contain primarily DHA and EPA. And that is the part, the like the sources or the form that is used 
best in our bodies. Um, so last time we learned that omega-3s are really helpful for reducing inflammation because of eicosanoids, which is why this is great for runners. It's also great for uh, menstrual cramp reduction. Just as a side note, um, omega-3s also function as cell brain uh, membrane fluidity and keeping the structure of our cells nice and fluid and flexible, which is cardioprotective. And omega-3s also are really important for nervous system health, especially brain function and fighting anxiety and depression. Who doesn't want more of that in their life? Um, We also learned that omega-6s are essential, but that the ratio is what matters for anti-inflammatory purposes. And that typically Americans and typically runners aren't getting enough omega-3s in order to get the results that they would want to be getting, like reducing inflammation, good mental health, cardioprotective stuff. All of this is very good for runners, (laughs) self-explanatory. But to get into the forms of omega-3s, so we want the DHA and EPA forms um, because the ALA plant-based sources from like your flax seeds or your chia seeds, pumpkin, walnuts, those kinds of things, that, that can be converted to the useful form of DHA or EPA in the liver, but only by about 15%. Um, so that is why it's important to get those animal-based sources. So this kind of brings up my spiel for plant-based athletes, or if you just don't like eating salmon or animal-based sources, or if you don't have access to the high-quality wild-caught versions. So basically, um, unless you're consuming wild-caught salmon, mackerel, sardines, trout almost daily, then yes, you're probably going to need a supplement. If you're plant-based, then yes, you're probably going to need a supplement. Um, And a reason kind of around that, and I talked in the first episode that the um, seafood-based supplements that I like are Nordic Naturals and Barleens because quality matters, and these are both very high quality. But another good option if you're plant-based and you're not wanting to consume animal products for, you know, your belief uh, purposes, which I definitely, you know, respect and can't argue with at all. That's not what I'm saying here. But if you are plant-based, you can take an algae oil supplement um, as this is going to, in studies, um, be absorbed almost just as well as the um, like fish supplement versions because the fish eat the algae, and they convert it to DHA and EPA for us. But research shows that if you take the algae oil supplement, um, it actually, you know, is pretty convertible pretty easily in our own bodies. Um, And again, you know, if you're plant-based, you can be eating some seaweed products too um, from food, but it's probably, (laughs) um, at least in America, going to be a little bit easier for you just to take the algae oil supplement. And again, Nordic Naturals and Barleans are good options. Um, If you're looking for like a fish-based supplement and you're looking for a multivitamin, I also do really like the Smarty Pants brand of multivitamins because they do contain high-quality omega-3s and they are third-party tested. But again, you don't want to be taking a multivitamin unless you have your lab work done and are working with a dietitian or a doctor because you might not need everything in that multivitamin. So the next thing that I want to touch upon in this episode is probiotics. And do you need a supplement? So probiotics are that good bacteria in our gut, and they can be eaten through food or supplements. And we are finding so much um, research about the microbiome and our gut bacteria and what they do for us. 
Um, I think we always thought that our gut was just like this organ system in the body. It just kind of helped us digest food and it was just kind of hanging out there. Um, now we're finding through research that it's so much more than that. And it's all connected in, you know, really complicated ways that we don't even understand. Um, and that's why gut health matters, especially for runners, because your gut houses your immune system. And for example, your bacteria in there can also be involved in producing serotonin. It's found that between 80 and 90% of our serotonin, which is that feel good, happy hormone, um, is actually produced by bacteria in our gut. <laughs> and that's why the gut health is such a key player in our mood and our mental health as well. Bowel movement regularity is super important for humans in general, but particularly in runners, uh, because we need that to happen for us regularly in order to run. <laughs> um, and basically almost every chronic disease can be traced back to our gut health. And that's where our gut bacteria live. So Basically, what we need in our good gut bacteria, um, you know, composition is diversity, and we also need abundance. And a good way to have diversity in our gut bacteria is by eating diverse food groups. So not cutting out food groups, you know, not just having five safe foods to eat every day. We need diversity. Also, we want to be having plenty of prebiotics, which is basically fiber-rich foods, because that helps keep those bacteria well-fed and happy and healthy, because we want them to be abundant and healthy too. Probiotics can really come from food sources. So depending on, you know, the, my clients that I work with, some of them do benefit um, from taking a supplement, but the research is so back and forth on probiotic supplementation that you know, I can't really say, hey, everyone needs to take a probiotic supplement and this is the one that you should take. It, it really does depend on the person and their history and which ones they've tried before and what works and what doesn't work. And even, you know, maybe the stage that they're in in working together with me. So we go through different stages a lot of the times um, if we're talking about gut health or just troubleshooting things for my athletes. Um, but from food sources, which are very well tolerated in a lot of people, these are where you can get probiotics from in food. So we can do kimchi, kombucha, kefir or water kefir, which is kind of similar to kombucha, um, yogurt, sauerkraut, sourdough breads, tempeh, miso, nato, soft unpasteurized cheeses. Um, but basically what you want to look for on any kind of probiotic food is live active cultures. So that's what you want. Um, and if you're looking at a supplement, which I'll talk about more next week, um, you're going to want live active cultures on the label as well as multiple strains because we want that diversity. So what I will say is there's few instances where probiotics are not good for us, but I will mention those here in case they apply to you. So we don't want to take probiotics from food or from supplements if we're currently in the killing phase, recovering from small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. And we also just don't want you to walk into the store and blindly choose a supplement. <laughs> it's not going to be good for you either. And it might be a money waste. Um, but I will say basically, if you fall outside of those categories, taking a probiotic is probably going to be good for you in some way. And by taking a probiotic, I mean getting probiotics from probiotic rich foods that I just mentioned. If you need a supplement um, in particular, you know, again, kind of black and white things I can say you would probably benefit from supplementation is if you're coming off of antibiotics or illness, 
Um, having a supplement can be helpful because antibiotics do kill quite a bit of our cup, gut bacteria. You know, they kill the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> um, so after or during, if your doctor tells you you can take probiotics during or get it from probiotic-rich foods during, um, I do recommend that. And also, um, food sources are going to probably be best for most runners. But for some of my runners, again, you know, the supplementation is helpful if you just don't like those food sources or if they're not super abundant and available to you. Um, or if you have certain dietary dietary restrictions. So I, I typically recommend aiming for one serving of a probiotic food every day. And if you basically start like a supplement or food regimen with probiotics and you start experiencing like your gut symptoms getting worse, I mean, stop, <laughs> you know, stop taking it. Um, you know, especially if you're finding that that is the only thing that you change and your gut health is getting worse. It might just be that that particular strain of probiotic doesn't work for you um, because we're all so different. So this was a very intensive um, episode. We did a lot of deep dives, but I want to summarize what you can take away from this if you're feeling super overwhelmed right now. So number one takeaway is that a variety in your food choices is so profoundly important in terms of you meeting your micronutrient needs as a runner or a human in general. You want to have plenty of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, fortified foods and refined grains also have their place, especially as runners. Oops, my dog shaking next to me. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, legumes, high quality animal and seafood products. Those are all going to meet most of your needs. If you're constantly cutting out fruit because it has too much sugar or grains because someone told you it was causing disease <laughs> um, or you're deathly afraid to eat refined carbohydrates because you were told that they're just processed and not good for you, um, you're going to have problems meeting your nutrient needs, especially these very, very key nutrients that are super important for runners. If you're plant-based, you know, that's great. You can be super healthy while plant-based and you can meet all your needs as a runner, but you probably going to have to put in a little bit more effort, um, in order to achieve, um, the right levels. So the next takeaway besides variety is enough. So eating enough calories and macronutrients, like eating all of our different food groups and getting plenty of protein, plenty of fat, plenty of carbohydrates, plenty of calories and energy in general is super important. And that's something that I do want to highlight for plant-based runners is that you might need to work extra hard in achieving this volume or supplement as necessary because plant-based foods tend to be super filling, but they don't necessarily um, contain a lot of calories, which is fine, but you need to make sure that you're eating out of self-care sometimes instead of hunger as a plant-based runner. And if you can't do that, you know, supp supplementing, um, you know, might be helpful too. And then my third takeaway, besides variety and enough, is getting your blood work done <laughs> and working with a registered dietitian um, to establish your micronutrient and or supplement needs. So, you know, this isn't just a shameless plug because I am a registered dietitian, but I've been through this myself. Um, you know, I've had to ask for help from doctors. Um, really, honestly, the dietitians that I've asked help for were, were more helpful um, just because they have more time to apply this to the individual and use food as medicine instead of um, tons of expensive supplements. Um, 
But working with a dietitian one-on-one, you know, at least reaching out, you know, for one consult can be really helpful, especially in conjunction with blood work. Um, I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but I do use um, Inside Tracker to test my clients' blood work. Um, and I also use blood work, you know, in conjunction with their doctor, um, you know, if it's covered by insurance. And this is just so, so key for getting you those personalized results um, and recommendations that you're after. And it can be important too in making sure that we're not getting too much of a good thing because as we know, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. So what I want you to take away from this episode is that there's a lot of different micronutrients that are important to have enough of as runners. And in order to prioritize you know, meeting those needs, you need to make sure you're having plenty of variety and not restricting food groups if it's not medically necessary eating enough calories and all your different macronutrients in general, and getting your blood tested. I'd recommend getting it tested at least twice a year um, just to see where you're at. In particular, I like to test, you know, maybe as I start a training cycle for a race, and then, you know, if there's something totally off, I'll test it again like two or three months later. And if everything's, you know, looking good or I think I have some adjustments I can make, um, I'll test it again after the race because it's also good to have a record of what works well for you. Um, if you are wanting, you know, highly individualized nutrition coaching and also personal training and run coaching, I'm your girl, um, head over to fitcookienutrition.com and you can set up a free discovery call there just to, um, you know, so we can chat about your goals and see if we'd be a good fit or if there's someone even, you know, more appropriate for you and what you're looking for, um, that I can refer you to because luckily, There's a lot of dietitians out there and we all specialize in different things um, and no one size fits all in nutrition. So helpful to know your network too. If you're looking for nice tasty recipes to help you meet these micronutrient needs and you don't have a lot of time, energy, or skills to spend in the kitchen cooking, I would invite you to head over to fitcookienutrition.com slash products and peruse my Busy Bee Cookbook in particular, bundled with the marathon fueling guide is going to be the best bang for your buck. And it's going to give you plenty of tips, um, more in depth, even than this podcast on recipes that you can use staples to keep in your kitchen, um, nutrient timing, you know, and how to fuel a marathon properly in addition to sample meal plans and fueling plans. But I really hope that you're enjoying this Nutrition for Runner series so far, guys. And again, I would really appreciate a five-star rating and review on your podcast hosting site because that helps other runners just like you find the podcast. And until next time, happy running.